Welcome to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the December edition of The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro. And we are looking at predators this month. Not only looking at them, but we're going to be looking at some pretty big ones as well with a man that is a genuine expert. He's also our predator expert here at Outlaw Pro. And I'm going to say this too, he's a good mate of mine. I've known him for a very long time, fished with him quite a few times as well. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Mr. Julian Chidgy. Hello. Hi, Rob. It's a long way to come over. You are West Country based I just around the corner from me. Yeah, I'm down in Taunton in Somerset. So, yeah, so a bit of a drag. I don't get often uh, over here as often as I'd like, but yeah, it's great to be Passport here. Passport control all sorted. <sighs> yeah, yeah. We, I tend to get a nosebleed past Bristol, but we did okay. You see, all of these southerners talk about Watford being north, but actually we're further south, well, aren't yeah. we? So this is exactly. north for us. Yes, yeah. So absolutely, when you're a, when you're a southwesterner, <laughs> anywhere is north. It has to be, doesn't it? Has to be. Um, we always start with fishing. Mm. Tell me about your fishing at the moment. You have had, and I know this a little bit, people, because obviously we're we're good mates. But you have had an incredible last month or so, haven't you? Oh, it's been absolutely brilliant. So um, October for me. Is pike fishing time yeah I, I i really crack on with it then and this year i was lucky enough to fish the first few weeks of uh, of october exclusively on the uh the bristol water fisheries venues um i just stuck to to blagdon and chew did a, a number of weeks on there back to back it was hard going but we had some absolutely epic results it's the it's the epicenter really for it me is. isn't it yeah. if, you know there are places that are better for perch fishing but when it comes mm. to pike choose where it's at yes and yeah, blagdon's yeah coming up as well isn't like it? Some special don't as well. tell yeah, everybody yeah. <laughs> well everybody that knows yeah, knows yeah. anyway don't they but uh yes well look talk us through mm. firstly what you've caught because yeah. you've had a hell of a result yeah we've yeah it's been really really good so because i was there for a while i fished with different people over the time that i was there different friends and after a summer where i've been really busy it's really nice to catch up with people i use yeah. it as a chance to do that so i kind of have different friends come and fish with me for a few days at a time so um uh, Trevor Pedal, who lives yeah. just down the road from from our head head office here, he joined me for the first few days. Um, Trevor got off the mark first; he had a twenty two pounder, um, and then I had a twenty five and a half. Yeah. Now the twenty five and a half was the day before my birthday, and I've got this thing, Rob, where despite the fact that my birthday is right at the start of October, big yeah. pike season, I have never caught a big pike on my birthday. So getting a twenty five pounder yes. the day before this happened last year, I had, a, I had a twenty four the day before and a twenty seven the day after. Yeah. And then my birthday came around and I thought, yeah, it's going to happen again, isn't it? You know, I'm, gonna, I, it's not, I'm not going to get a big fish on the day. And I had the worst possible start to the day. So I got there in the morning, tried to lock my car when I got to the reservoir. My car yeah. wouldn't lock. Oh, no. I looked. I had my fiance's car keys. Oh. How did you drive there then? Because I had my set in my other pocket. Oh, right. So she needs to get to work by eight o'clock. I'm at the reservoir. I'm in the front of the queue. It's my birthday. It's the third day of tubing opening for for, for the autumn. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm not going to get to fish today. She needs to go to work. Um, So pick the phone up and make that dreaded phone call. Um, And she laughed it off. I got away with it, Rob. Wow. Yeah. So uh, she managed to get a lift in. We were all sorted. And I'm, I'm, I'm back in the game. So it's front of the queue, straight out there. Me and Trevor are munching on some birthday cake with the rods out a few minutes later. And I had a, a bite almost straight away. And it was £30.12. Oh, wow. So that I've gone just, from I can't even a get a winner. decent one on my birthday to getting a 30 on, on my birthday, you know, which is absolutely amazing. And the, the water was still warm. They're very, very lively. It jumped next yeah. to the boat. You know, we, awesome. 
a tail walking pike is impressive when it's a 30 pound tail walking pike the heart yeah is really you realize courage is brown yeah <laughs> exactly exactly like, <laughs> yeah um so yeah that was uh, an absolutely amazing start um and then after that when 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 trevor headed home my friend ian joined me for uh, for the second part of the session and it just carried on ian is the polar opposite to me he's a very very relaxed character when he's yeah. fishing i have to be you know i'm a percentages man I'm all about preparation, looking for edges all the time. Ian's the polar opposite. You know, he'll turn up and be like, uh, yeah, have you got any rigs in that rig bin? What death baits have we got in that cool box? Yeah. Like, no prep yeah. at all. Yeah. But that's his style. Yeah. And it works for him in the same way my method works for me. Ian had his usual very relaxed week, whereas I'm rushing around trying to make things work. Um, and we had that week. First few days were hard. Yeah. struggled to struggled to, to find it was an interesting game. mixed bag of weather though wasn't it was, it? It was flat yeah, I one think day and windy the next that's exactly what it was and those reservoirs neither of them fish well when it's blustery right um if, if you think the perfect day for predator fishing if you could choose it you'd probably go for something along the lines of a bit of ripple on the water yeah. overcast that's the conditions yeah. those two reservoirs are totally the opposite there was people on these days i'm not kidding you rob out there in their life jackets and boxer shorts was it, really? it was that hot and it was you know, a, an absolute mill pond not a cloud in the sky wow. first couple of days were blustery didn't fish it went like that and switched on ian had a 34 pounder um I was literally doing a piece of camera with that fish over the side, just popping it back. Um, and my rod went and I had a 24. Um, and then we had another couple of days where it didn't fish that well. And then to round that week off, um, Ian had a 21 and I rounded it off over 28 and a quarter. So we had seven, seven big fish in the boat overall, two over 30. Yeah. Just absolute you know, dream start to, to the pike season. Uh, that's just incredible, isn't it? That's almost like the year achieved now. Yeah, I, yeah. I yeah. don't know. I know your targets are significantly higher mm. than my targets. I go out primarily to enjoy myself. I love my predator fishing. Mm. Perch more than, than pike. Yeah, yeah. But I do like my pike fishing. But I'm still at that stage where if the float's moving, mm. then... You know, I'm excited with that. Yeah. And I just think a 20-pound pike is yeah. such an impressive creature. Of course. So, you know, your benchmark is obviously mm. higher. A 30 is a, is a fish of dreams. But, yeah. you know, a 20-pound is a, an incredible uh, fish. I was going to say carp then, and pike. A, and a rare fish. Yes. Yeah, I think it's really easy to forget or to compare to the carp scene, which has changed so much, yeah. you know, to think, you know, 30-pound carp, 30-pound pike. When I was young, it was probably like 20-pound carp, 20-pound pike were comparative. Yeah. I think it's probably somewhere. The comparison now is probably for a twenty-pound pike. Even is probably forty-pound carp. Is it really? I think so. Wow. Because the number of venues that produce twenty-pound pike haven't increased yeah. in that time, and yet there's hundreds and hundreds, thousands of forty-pound yes. carp. Realistically, now, yeah, so I yeah. think that's probably a, a, a comparison. It and when you talk about thirty, off, is it anything exactly. over? Like to to me, a, a twenty-pound pike is a very very respectable mm. fish. Anything over twenty-five pounds, oh, I would say, yeah, is yeah. absolutely yeah. a forty-pound-plus fish because yes, there isn't. Yeah. There's there's not that many. You know, the, the, there's such a diminishing return on mm. bigger pike. So you know, you get loads of jacks. Yes, yeah. You yeah. get significantly fewer low to mid doubles, but there's a lot mm. of them around. I think as soon as you go over fifteen pound, you get into impressive territory. Mm. And then twenty pounders, yeah, like you say, they're rare. But twenty five pound plus, absolutely. You know, they yeah. they that that to yeah, me is like that's a it's. 40 to 50 pound cup. yeah, yeah they're, 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 they're hard one definitely. yes yeah so that's our target this year by the way is, is it okay well I, I haven't had a 20 pound river pike yet no, I've, had, no. I've had 20s but I haven't had a 20 out of a mm. river uh, and I'd love to catch a 20 pound river pike so yeah. we're going to have to go out and well, see river we piking is you know, one of my if I could choose I enjoy pike fishing because of the diversity of it all the different methods all the different types of venues you can fish yes if I was going to choose just one 
for the rest of my life, it would be wandering around the rivers. Yeah. Particularly, you know, in and around the general area where we live and, yeah, and, and yeah. probably a bit further south as well. Um, on those rivers, roving with one rod, I, I really enjoy that. It's, uh, exactly the same. You yeah. sort of got me into it a little mm. bit more last year. And I absolutely adore stick float fishing for chubb. Mm. You know, ideally with a bit of flow rather than something that's really slow and boring, something that's got a bit yeah, of movement yeah. in it, where you're fishing towards a feature where you mm. know where they're going to be. You can read it, can't you? When, it's, when there's a bit yeah. of flow, you can read the situation. It's just, it's so exciting. And, and basically, doing that, mm. chub fishing, but instead of having a six gram wire stem on, mm. literally just having a pike float. And instead of yeah. having an Olivet, you've got a, you know, <laughs> a, a, you've, you've got a wire trace and a, mm. and a dead fish on the bottom yes, of it. It's yeah. absolutely, it's oh, amazing. Yeah. Isn't it? No, it really yeah, is. Love it. So that's that's absolutely gone up my my mm. list. Have you fished the Bristol Avon much? Oh, um, do you know what? The last couple of years, I have done a bit on there. It's, Bristol Avon's a funny one. Back in the yeah, even even kind of before I was really into it, it had a bit of a reputation for for doing decent pike. Yeah, and then for years and years, it's been absolutely useless. And the last few years, it's produced. It's a started few. to produce, yeah. and the ones that it has produced have been really big as well you know oh, right, it's okay. produced a number of fish oh perhaps we shouldn't talk about <laughs> this anymore then. <laughs> you've got to find them it's a big river yeah, that's yeah. the thing you know um yeah it's produced a number of fish between mid-20s and uh, an up as high as 32 pounds that's it really yeah but wow, again good. like you say it's long stretches of river yeah. there's probably one decent you know one big pike in each stretch and they take some tracking down but yes. yeah it is one that that i've spent a little bit of time on is recently it, the the bristol Avon for me was a river that that used to be sort of really on vogue for barbel of course yeah. you know it was a good chub river that mm. bit sort of around laycock you know yeah, the upper yeah. reaches of it uh, i know you're talking perhaps a little, Mid- a, a little bit about lower, the middle yeah. and lower bits but it used to be really good the very upper reaches were brilliant for roach the sort of mid upper reaches were great for barbel mm. then then the bits after that where it got a bit slower mm. they, it was a little bit nondescript and, and over the years more and more clubs have dropped They've their dropped, water yeah. yeah and it's it's almost been neglected mm. now for oh, I've been living in the area 10 years, mm. and I would say it's probably been now neglected for about eight of those. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see what's around. Yeah, absolutely, because be... what is in those slower stretches, like you say, good-sized chub, good-sized mm. bream, yeah. prey items. You can keep the bream. Yeah, but prey items that create big pike. Yes, yeah, yeah. And create them quickly. Well, so. let's, let's talk about that as well, because the best prey item for a pike seems to be trout. Mm. Because the majority of the time, if there's trout present, mm. then then the pike seem to be bigger. If you're targeting a big fish, mm. do you find out where the fish is? Or if you're targeting a f- uh, an area that you think there might be a big fish, do you lean towards trout venues or do you lean towards wherever you can go? I, I, I do a bit of both. Um, I enjoy the what some people might term the natural venues. I yeah. do enjoy fishing those. But trout waters give you the opportunity of fishing for truly huge fish. Yes, They're more difficult than people think. And the reason that they're more difficult than people think is exactly what you've just said. You've got yeah. a proliferation of food. You've got more food than would naturally occur yes. in a water of that size because they're stocked. Um, so I lean towards them purely because of the, the opportunities that, that, that they give you. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a look last year. I went out to do some filming on the Y. Mm. And there's a big fish that lives in the town centre stretch. Mm. And there's two bridges that are only like 500 yards mm. apart. And there's a pike generally yeah. that lives there. And there's quite a few people that try and target mm. it. But number one, it's really hard to get on those pegs mm. because they're match pegs. And there's so many times that match mm. anglers there because you know what it's like with, with big rivers like the Seven, mm. like the Y. In the winter all of the prey fish tend to move into the, the city centres because yeah. it's warmer there. And and so you can't get the pegs. And mm. if you do get the pegs, I was talking to the guys about it, and there's one lad in particular who does a bit of piking, mm. and he said, look, 
He said, you'll be really lucky to catch a big one down there. Mm. It's like, well, it's 500 yards of river. Mm. It's always here. He said, I know. He said, it's always here. Mm. We see it. But why is it going to pick up a ropey mm. old mackerel exactly. or smelt yeah. when it's got so much other food? The, 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 the why is a classic example of that or, or any river where you get lots of prey fish go into the town centres in the, in the, in the winter. Um, you go out of town. Dead baits are brilliant because yeah. the pike that stay out of town don't yeah. have all that There's food no around food. them. And they're glad yeah. of that manky old mackerel because yes. they're hungry fish. And you, know, you drop it in, they pick it up. Yeah. But like you say, when you go into those town centres, you need that that moving bait because they, they're used to all that stimulation of live food around it's them. It's like living in the country like we do. Exactly. You're yeah. really happy just to nip the chippy, yeah, aren't you? Exactly. You can't even order <laughs> a takeaway <laughs> yeah. and then all of a sudden... <laughs> That's it. You come to the city and there's lots of posh restaurants. Exactly. And if you want a nice meal, you're going somewhere really expensive. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, cool stuff. So... Um, Let's, let's look at some tactics then. There's mm. going to be lots of people watching this that, that already like pike fishing. Yeah. We have primarily a carp audience, so there's going to be lots of people watching yeah. this now that are thinking, you know what, as it gets a bit colder, mm. I fancy a bit of that. Now, personally, and I know you do as well, but personally, I love fishing with the seasons. Mm. You know, Absolutely. pike are a great thing to fish for. Mm. The other nice thing about it with perch too is that you can do it in short periods. Yeah. So perch fishing in particular, mm. two or three hours at the end of the day. That's all you need. That's a fishing fix. Yeah. Isn't it? So what advice can you give to people that are thinking, you know, what, I fancy a bit of a crack at this. What should I do? OK, so first and foremost, I think you need to think about the gear in terms of the fish safety. Yep. So when we're, when we're talking about pike, very often, obviously, we use multiple hooks. Mm-hmm. So we need to make sure the gear is suitable. So I think first and foremost, have a look at what's recommended that's out there. So your rod and reel might be fine, yep. but definitely look at the main line. Yep. You want to be able to straighten the hooks if the rig gets caught on the bottom, for example, because yep. if you, 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 you crack off a dead bait rig and it's still fishing effectively on the bottom of the river yep. and a pike picks that up with a treble hook in it. Yeah, that's a dead fish, isn't it? That's, it it that's could well be. be so, so yeah, I think sort of 50 pound plus braid. It might yep. sound excessive when you're used to using 12, 15, 18 pound uh, nylon for carp yep. fishing in the summer, but it is required. Yeah. I love float fishing, so I'm always going to recommend float fishing. Yes. You said about watching that, you know, that, that, so that stick float go down through, through the river. For me, watching a pike float is exactly the same. I've, I'll, I'll come in there as well and say that, I, you know, I've, I fished pike for a very long mm. time. I used to do an awful lot of spinning for them when yeah, I was younger. Yeah. Where I grew up, there was an awful lot of pike. You know, not massive, but it mm. was the sort of thing that lure fishing for them was great, great fun. And if you're not overly confident... Mm in handling pike that's a great way to start mm. yeah if definitely. you're moving on to dead baiting then i find i'm a lot more comfortable with float mm. than i am with the ledger primarily because you're on the bite so much quicker mm. yeah i think if a ledger rig is set up well then it's not an issue yep. but for getting it right if it's maybe the first few times that you've tried it definitely float fishing makes it really really simple yes um and kind of going back to what we were saying about fishing at chew the rig that i use there is very much also the rig that I would use on rivers and things yeah. like that. And dead, dead simple. Yeah. So we're using uh, a slimline slider type float, generally around it, take around an ounce in weight. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that would come down to uh, a quick change weight. Yep. And one thing that I do with the quick change weights is why I really match them to the conditions. Yes. You see a lot of people always use the same weight. You know, yeah, they yeah. turn up day after day, even on different venues. Pike, if you've ever filmed pike underwater, which you probably have, particularly when they're coming across baits, they're not this fearsome predator that's always no. going to be smashing into it. They will come up. Yeah, I, I spent a lot of time filming them with the water wolf underwater yes. cameras at the top of the trace. They spend a lot of time coming down, inspecting the baits, tasting the water around it, yeah. fanning their fins to see how that dead fish on the bottom reacts. Yeah. 
to work out what it is and if it's something that they want to eat. So I always really fine tune the, the, the end tackle. So uh, the lightest weight that I can generally get away with. Yes. Um, and then uh, a traditional snap tackle. If I can use one hook. I tend to you know, use yeah. one treble instead of two where I can, um, and then just uh, a simple yeah, a simple dead bait. I think location is far more important than the rig. That simple float rig yes. will catch these monster pike from the trout reservoirs. It will catch a jack that will make your day from your local your local river. Yeah. To me, location is the it is above and beyond the most important bit. I, I, I think I'd add finesse into that mm. as well because I think from the outside looking in, sometimes pike fishing is seen to be a lot more brutal. Yeah, yeah. That you need these great big hooks mm. and that you need a thick wire and everything. But <clears> if you can finesse it down a bit yeah but at the same time keeping the strength, strength. where you need it so yes. you know your, your yeah, braid yeah. point is a very very important one mm. you know that it, it's easy to think well 50 pound braid don't mm. really need that but you're thinking about that contingency mm. of a break off aren't yeah. you if you need to and, and, and that finesse that you mentioned is really important too i know a lot of the time i'll say to people go out at first light look yeah. where the prey fish are you know you might just see prey fish topping on the top you might sometimes see a predator strike yeah but the amount of times people do that and, and what you see erupting on the top and flying everywhere isn't fish this big or this big it's very often tiny little things you yes. know fry or, yeah. or very small prey items and yet you watch people then lob yeah. half a mackerel <laughs> into the middle of it yeah um so like you say i think finesse, likewise i think finesse is really important but always bearing in mind to keep the the strength in what you're using as yes. well yes yeah yeah and uh, you know if you if you're at all concerned about anything go with somebody that pike fishes mm, absolutely you know, that's, that's one of the yeah. key things isn't it because like anything it's always nice to learn yourself mm. but at the same time if you can go with somebody that knows what yeah. they're doing and particularly i think with pike just because mm. of the 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 one the, the safety of the fish but mm. two the safety of you too yes yeah it's yeah. not just the teeth people think about pike's teeth but the mm. gills yeah like you know exactly you always get cut however yes. experienced you are yeah, yeah of course a lot of the time you get you get yeah. nicked by gills absolutely don't you? and it is one of the great things about the age that we live in now with you know with, with social media with youtube and so on that you can go online yeah and you know see basic tutorial videos of, of how to handle a big fish like a pike and so on but you can't be if you do know someone that's experienced going out with them pike anglers club have regions all the way across yeah. the uk and most of the time if you make contact they would have someone you know that would that would take you up for a couple yeah. hours and, there's no and substitute the for experiencing having a pike on the, on the bank first because you know when you do see a decent pike first <clears throat> It's a hell of a creature. Of course it is, yeah. Isn't it? You Absolutely. know, the little jacks are, are, are easy enough to deal mm. with. Well, they can be prickly as well, can't they, little devils? But See, yeah, I'd counter that, but I think a big pike is easier to handle than a small one because with a small one, for, particularly from an unhooking point of view, you don't have much room to work in. Yes. You know, if the, 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 the mouth is only small... And particularly, you know, if the hook isn't easy to get at, things like it, there's not that much room. Whereas a big pike, it's easier in terms of getting the hooks out. I was talking more about the impressive size. Oh, yeah. But I know what yeah, you mean. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the other thing that is vitally important as well, and, and I remember um, I went out, I got my perch kit with me, mm. and I got a, a standard set of forceps. Mm. You've got to have a toolkit, <laughs> yes. haven't you? Yes. You need your dentist yeah. kit there just Absolutely. in case. And, and yeah. you know, having a bog standard forceps is no good at all if you catch a big fish no. because... A four-inch pair of forceps. Yeah, it doesn't go very far go when very it's far you know, ten inches to the back of the yeah. to the back of the pike's mouth or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. The other key thing I think that I would add to that as well is using barbless or at least mm. semi-barb trebles. Yes. Yeah. So you know, and, and by semi-barb trebles, I mean the the, the barb that, mm. or the, the 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 hook point that goes into the fish yes. has a barb on it, yes. and the other two don't. Yeah, definitely. That just makes, definitely life makes so much it easier. easier. And dare I say, it, half the time 
once you take the tension off from landing the fish, yeah. you know, you put your rod down, you pick the net up, the hooks are out half the time, time anyway, which yeah. helps as well. Yeah, I always think it's, it's quite interesting because they, they, they don't actually hook in a lot of the time. They sort of tangle the way in, mm. don't they? Because inside a, uh, the cavernous mouth of a pike, mm. there's an awful lot of bone and stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot almost... of places it can't stick. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Half the time you're lucky enough to get a mm. hook hold yes. as opposed to a, a hook round hold. Yeah. What about circle hooks? What do you think of circle do you hooks? Know what? I fished a venue a few years ago where it was single hooks only yeah so i tried the circle hooks i'd never tried them before i'd yep. read a lot about it spoken to lots of people i could not get a conversion rate in terms of right. runs to fish on the bank that i was happy with yeah um i tried and tried yeah and through that winter i tried different single hook arrangements both with a traditional j type hook and a circle hook yeah yeah and i just don't think they're they were as good the, the, as they could no, be, maybe. Exactly. Have you used them for perch? Because I, I started using them for perch. Absolutely brilliant for bait fishing for perch. It's strange, absolutely. isn't it? Absolutely. It's just, but they've got obviously a totally different mouth structure to yes. uh, to to a pike. Yeah, I, yeah. I really like them for perch. Yeah, I'm yet to use them for for, for pike. Mm. Again, just because I'm comfortable enough to yeah. be able to, you know, do what I do with uh, with trebles. The other thing that worries me with circle hooks for pike as well is to use them in a size where they're going to match the bait that's likely to yeah, be they're used. Heavy. They're very wide gape. Yeah. And obviously, there's a lot of internal organs near the back of the pike's mouth yeah. where a wide gape hook could potentially be more damaging yeah. than a small gape hook of a, of a treble as well. Yeah, I think a lot of it just comes down to experience, of course it doesn't does. it? That yeah. you know, when you're comfortable enough, yes, yeah, and you know how to handle a pike, then yeah. it's uh, you know it's pretty doable. Definitely. So, look, we've we've discussed pike target for this year. You've already had a thirty. My target, my target every winter before I start. Number one target is. A pike over thirty pounds. I don't do it every yeah. winter. Yeah, you know it's they're they're, they're hard one. Second of October. Yeah, yeah. it was it much. was the fifth this, this year. I'm slipping. I'm slipping. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's always target number one. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, having had a good start, I will just push as hard as I can through the rest of the winter. I've got lots of other good venues lined up, lots yeah. of exciting places to go. Um, so yeah, what what will be will be. But yeah, it's been a good start. You you very much fish with the seasons, mm. don't you? You know, and and it, I find it lovely to do that. Yeah. You know, I, you, you're lucky enough. I said lucky enough. You're good enough. Mm. Not lucky enough. You're good enough to have won the Drennan Cup. Mm as well and i think that you know for for me that's one of the biggest achievements in angling mm. to be able to go out and and target individual species and catch you know the the, the voting process on that in mm. itself is yeah. is is incredible it's not you know you can't buy your way into no. winning the draining cup it no, takes no, an awful no. lot of effort no. and you've got to have the respect of your peers yes. as well for that yeah you? and i think that's what's always appealed about that competition to me like you say if someone dare i say it wasn't playing it with a straight bat in any way yeah. it would be known because it's peer voted yes um, and it takes quite a diverse skill set to to catch different species through the year absolutely how what was it like winning <clears throat> that you know you were you were you're in the race of course yeah and you you did you go out with the intention of thinking, you know what, I'm having a dreading cup year? Or did you go out and think, I'm just going to enjoy my fishing? And after a couple of three, think, you know what, I, I, I might be in with a chance here. I've always had the Drennan Cup in the back of my mind. Yep. I've always thought I'd like to have a run at that at some point. But I did not set out that year to win it. Right. I had a, a, a lot of time. Yeah. And I, 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 at the start of the year, I normally choose kind of target venues and waters. And I remember at the start of that year, looking at certain tickets that had landed, yeah. um, certain fish that I had access to or waters and thinking, do you know what, if that came right, but I'd looked at lists of venues for years before and you could say the same, yes. you know, it's like yeah, you probably yeah. do it with your carp fishing, I've got yeah. a ticket there, I've got it. doesn't mean you're going to catch them all. But I remember yeah. at the start of that year looking at that lineup of venues and thinking, okay, 
Yeah, but at that point, I'd never even had a Drenham Weekly Award. I think that's worth clarifying as well. So I was a long way from being a potential Drennan Cup winner as I looked at those lists of venues at the start of that year. Yeah. Um, But yeah, kind of looking at at how that panned out, obviously it starts, the the year starts uh, in spring. Yeah. um, And I've never had a double figure tench. And I've done the whole sort of, uh, you know, the the Oxford venues I'd tried. Um, I'd tried at Linear quite a bit. I had a Lynch Hill ticket at that point. So I'd tried and I'd I'd done okay, but I'd never had a really big one, never had a double. Mm. Um, And that spring, I went and fished at Winton's down in Sussex. That's a surprise for Tench. I would never have thought that was a big Tench venue, actually. It... A cart venue, maybe. Yeah, yeah. So so Kingfisher, which is one of the smaller lakes there. Yes. Um... It's, it's the nicest lake there, in, in my in my opinion. You know, it's got uh, it's not got too many swims around it. It's got the lilies. It's got some islands. Pretty little lake. Yeah. Um, it's got about eight forties and two fifties in it. It's got a ridiculous yeah, yeah. stock of, of fish for a little lake. Um, but I'd noticed it do, that it produced the odd double figure tench, right. mainly obviously to carp anglers. Yeah, yeah. So I joined with a couple of uh, a couple of friends who were more interested primarily in the carp. Yeah. Um, we looked at our availability and we booked a load of sessions in. I went there the first time and obviously I was going to boilie fish for mm. for the tench because that was how they were getting caught. That was all that yeah. was going in there. And Rob, you fished with me a little bit. I have zero attention span. Yes. Yeah, if nothing's happening, I have to go and make it happen. Zebedee. Yeah, I, I, I can't sit still. Like yeah. I think that's why predator fishing generally appeals to me because you can yeah. generally make something happen. But anyway, I sat there for the first weekend. I watched what everyone was doing. Everyone's doing the same with the carp fishing there. Yeah. Um, so I talked to some of the other people, asked what people did, and everyone was fishing in a very stereotypical bolt rig boily way. Mm-hmm. Um, so on the way home, I kind of was like, I'm not doing this all spring. I have to come up with something different. Yeah. There's a lot of silvers in there. So I wanted to fish naturals. I'm a big fan of natural baits. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I knew it would have to be big quantities. Yeah. So the next weekend, I staggered back with a couple cool boxes of, of, of maggots um, and just started trying to work an area. Yeah, yeah. And that's got to be really hard to get in through the carp, though, surely. Well, because it's a relatively small, I think it's about three acres, Kingfisher. It's not a big right. lake, and it hasn't got loads in there. Oh, it's quite, okay. I, I, th- I would yeah. term it sort of medium to, to tricky carp lake in its right, own right. Okay. So it isn't like you were going to be like, it's not a runs water. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the silvers were going to be, were going to make it difficult. So I found a yeah. couple of spots, started working, and it, to begin with, it was just silvers, silvers, silvers. And then the first tench that I caught doing that, was yeah. I think it was either ten one or ten two, obviously my nice. first double. Yeah, um, and I just sat there like, oh, wow, that that worked. You know, changing yeah. from the norm paid off straight away. I remember sitting there, one of those moments in angling where you have disbelief that you've actually achieved something. Yeah, you know, whether it's your target fish, you've yeah. probably had it with with some of yeah, yeah well, some tench. of your match fishing, yeah, yeah match fishing well. yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and things yeah. like that. Um, when you can't believe something's happened, and as I, I recast the rod, sat there being like, wow, I've caught a double. Started ringing a few friends to tell them. And the rod went off again. I had an eleven seven, oh, what? which is still still That's my P, still my PB to this day. Um, and I've barely put that back. Put the rod out for the night, and had a forty five pound common. And I was like, <laughs> okay, this it's a bit is, of a section. yeah, yeah. And it and it it just carried on the next few days. It so was, let me let me just come in there. The forty five pound common, yeah. is is quite a nice fish, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. Did you treat that as a nuisance fish absolutely if you were targeting tench? No, I've, I've I've never been I've never been like that. Um, I, I will always acknowledge if something is an accidental capture, and with yes. the Drennan Cup, you have to obviously as yeah, well. Yeah. You know, if you're carp yeah. fishing, you catch a twelve pound tench. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't count, count because it's uh, yeah an accidental capture. Um, yeah. But no, I was absolutely made up. 
Yeah. Of course I was. It was a £45 common. Um, it was called the Wood Carving. It lived up to its name. It Lovely. was an absolutely immaculate one. Yeah. So, yeah, I was just, just blown away. Um, and then my tent fishing through that spring, it just, just carried on exactly the same. I think I ended up with four or five doubles off there that spring. That's phenomenal, Lots of backup it? fish as well, while everyone else just sat in the, the other pegs yeah. doing what they were doing before. Amazing. I think my, my dream um, would be almost to, to, to pick a month. Mm. And just target a species for that month. And, and and that's what I did. Oh, was it? Yeah, so I very much drew kind of like lines in the sand or lines in the calendar. Yeah. Regardless of what happens, achieve, don't achieve, move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, May's 10th, if you haven't caught them by the end yeah, of May, then yeah, yeah. that's it, game over, move on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and when that finished, I moved on for uh, for Rudd. I was going to say, it's got to be Rudd next. And do you know what? That, that's the one where I probably crashed and burned that year. Was it really? Yeah, because I didn't wait for the rivers to open because my plan yeah. was... If I could catch a couple before the rivers opened, they're not getting into the papers as much. Yes. Because no one's catching them. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I went over and fished because I had a lynch ticket. Right. I went okay. over and fished at Willow, which is mainly known for the big roach. Yeah, roach there. But if you yeah, ever yeah. go over into either of the reedy corners at Willow, yeah. there's a little gang of rudd. They'll all, always be in one or the other. Right. Okay. And I remembered them from carp fishing yeah, in the past. Yeah, yeah. And I went over there and I did nothing more. Literally, I can't have been there an hour. I walked to the two corners to find them. Yeah. Waggler rod, free line maggots. Found them, yeah. didn't even loose feed. I thought I found them. I thought I'd just try first. So literally flicked out, free lining, three maggots on like a size ten, very basic. People yeah. are looking around like, what's he up to? Yeah. Let it sink and had a, I think a two ten and a two thirteen, um, which was absolutely. I was in and out in like a, yeah. an hour yeah. and, and already starting to think about eels through the summer. Yeah, wow. Oh, I see that 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 would be the difficult one for me because I know you've got to be you've got to diversify as much mm. as possible but I'm not a snake fan mm. I think it goes back to when I used to fish the canals as a kid yeah yeah we used to go down and night fish them and, and catching eels on the canals at yeah. night when you were trying to catch carp or bream mm. or whatever and they just wrap around your eye and mm. still don't I'm not a fan yeah. also um, you'd have heard of the mangrove and birch grove yes of course the old yeah, Shropshire yeah. Mears carp syndicate up there yeah. there was loads of eels in there as well yeah. so I, I don't know how common they are now mm. maybe not as common as they, they used used to be but they mm. seem to be bigger yes yeah i think i think that's fair obviously we know that the population is tiny compared to what it used to be when yeah grow, growing up on the somerset levels where yeah. i live eel central yeah the, the bottom of those drains and rivers is basically made of eels yeah yes. the the town that i grew up in there was people who literally made their years money elver fishing for, yeah. for the month or so that they that they ran up the river parrot yeah, yeah. you know it's an epicenter of it that means that all of those lakes around there are full of eels yes so you almost have two types of specimen eel waters you've got those where nothing happens until a big one picks the bait up yeah. because there's a small head of them in there and then you have unfortunately these type of waters in my area that i targeted for the next part of that campaign yeah where you are getting a bite every few minutes oh, yeah. through the night yeah and it was just relentless and if there was one part of that year that i didn't enjoy it was that because you know uh, you were you were getting up in what you've had no sleep you know you're fishing multiple rods and you're just in out yeah. in out rigs are getting tied in knots and it was the one bit that i didn't enjoy um but i ended up i had a 515 yeah um which was a, yeah, a lovely fish um and i lost a bigger one on that particular water which still haunts me to this day but like i, said, I had fished a 515 but that was like i say the one bit where when that one was ticked off yeah um I was very pleased to, to put the rods back in the van and, yeah, and start to move on to the next thing at the end of that summer. I can imagine. So, yeah, it, I don't know. They're just a funny thing for me. Mm. Eels. I'd rather, I'd rather swerve it. I'd rather try and get taupe into the drilling <laughs> cup than, than, than fish for eels, really. So we're, let's, we're, we'll, we'll work through a year then. So mm. where do you go then? It's coming, water's cooling down. Are you looking at barbel next or are you looking at carp? No, or? I, I didn't barbel fish that 
that year right I had, okay that's a lie i had a couple of like catch-up days with friends yeah uh went to the royalty a couple of times and stuff like that but no nothing that was going to really feature yeah um i'd say around that time was the first time where i started to realize that i'd had i think at that point i'd had three weekly awards yeah that's good that year and i thought yeah like i said at the start of that year i'd never had one weekly draining couple before and i was like okay i don't think anyone else has had three so far this year so it started to it's now in the back of my mind yeah. and i'm like right you need to knuckle down now because this is probably a once in a lifetime yes yeah yeah i think that's a, that's a fair thing isn't it if you if you set out with a view mm. to doing it it could be a really disappointing year yeah, yeah. um uh, I, I don't know which is the best whether, whether you whether you jump on it part way through but that's you know that's mm. a great way of going mm. so what would be next do, do, do they do they follow catfish did you catfish then because i know no, you like your cats I, now do, well. I do like my cats and again that year there was probably a couple of social trips it was probably yeah. angler's paradise that type yeah that type of thing catching up with friends in between um but no it was it was straight onto the pike in the autumn right okay yeah um yeah, yeah. and and it couldn't have started any better so this is 2009 that we're talking yeah. about. So we're up to October now. Um, and I had the opening day at Chew. And at that point, I'd never caught a 30-pound pike. Right. Um, I'd been an ounce under. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. And opening day at Chew, I decided to lure fish. I thought the conditions were nice. It was uh, There was a nice breeze, so I could fish from a drifting boat. Lovely. So you use a drogue, yeah, an underwater nice. parachute to control the drift. Yeah. You're drifting, you're covering ground, casting lures. Yeah, abs- I love that style of fishing. Absolutely brilliant. Um and I had a, a 20, a 21, a 25, and a 32, 14. Unbelievable. Um, which, like I say, was my first 30-pounder. And it just felt like, you know what it's like when you get a bit of momentum in something? You've got to make the most of it. Yeah, yeah. That autumn, I actually had quite a few days booked at Chew. But having already caught a, a, a big one, yeah, I fished a few of them and then handed a few back as well to give other people a chance because I needed to, to move on. But the winter before... The Exeter Canal, which was on my doorstep at that time, yeah. had produced a very big pike that right. was just under thirty pounds. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, hang on, I've never caught a thirty in my life. I've caught one out of two now, and I had this. I thought I'm going to go straight onto this fish, and now I've got the time to really focus on it. Now, if you have a look on a, a map, those of you that aren't in the southwest at the Exeter Canal, yeah. you get two types of canals, don't you? You get the traditional little canal yeah, that you just about ones, get a or the large, big wide one like the or, Exeter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or you get these big sort of shipping Ship type. canals. Yeah, and it's mm. that it's that type of canal. It's clear, it's deep. It's almost yeah. like a big, long, weedy gravel pit, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I knew that if I was going to track this one fish down, I probably needed to, to, to really think about my approach. So I pre-baited. Yeah. I pre-baited two different spots. Um, and very often when I pre-bait for pike, I find if you do it for any length of time, you get your target fish very, very quickly. Very yes. often on the first session, yeah, yeah. very often on the first bite. Yeah. Um, and sure enough, first bite, I've hooked that fish. It's come to the net in front of me. And I thought it was in the net. Yeah. So I've lifted the net. I've pulled all this weed apart and there's no pike. Oh, and then I look in front of the net yeah. and the pike is on the outside hooked on the, the end oh. treble. And the front treble is in the, the, the cord. Oh, no. So I've pulled the net towards me very very carefully trying not to spook the fish and my plan yeah. was just to try and lift it into the net yeah. but this fish just slowly backs away shaking its head just slowly and i've watched that treble oh, pop out no. and it's gin clear it's turned i've had a really good look at it and watched it just amble down the shelf out of sight at the time i thought probably with my dreams oh, of lifting yeah. the drone cup that year um i carried on with the baiting for a few weeks yeah kept trying that spot nothing 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 but in the meantime i'd been pre-baiting a second spot yeah first time on the second spot 20 literally then. 20 minutes bang i've yeah. had it 31 wow. pound two which huge pike from anywhere yes. from a canal yeah 
canals have produced a handful oh. of genuine 30 pound pike in history so yeah i i sat there and for the first time it felt like this could yeah, be real could have. i was feeling your pain there because mm. like we've all been in that situation mm. where we've lost a big fish but that with all that effort going in yeah. there and that you know that moment that you just think oh it's gone i think it was about 10 weeks of pre-baiting before right. i even touched that swim so before we go on with the story i just want yeah. to touch on that because pre-baiting for pike is something that that not that many people mm. do and it is phenomenally successful oh. isn't it it's a weird one, Rob. I've been talking about it for years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do talks for like pike clubs and stuff. I've been talking about this for probably 15 years. Yeah. And yet I did a talk last week, a really keen room full of great pike anglers. Yeah. And I said, I stopped myself and I said, can you put anyone put their hand up who's actually pre-baited? And no, hardly still no, there wasn't any. Yeah. Um, but as you, yeah, it's brutally effective. Yes. Um, so what I tend to do is the longer you do it for the better. Yeah. So sort of six, eight, ten weeks, and immediately people switch off and they go, well, I've not got time for that. If you do this right, it will mean you spend less time on the bank, yeah. not more, because you are going to catch your target fish straight but away. But you don't, you don't have to do an awful lot of it. You have to do it over a duration of yeah. time, but you're not like having to – it's not like carp fishing where you're going down every day. No, no, no. It's just regularly just getting a bit in there. They're, I don't know. They're just like zoo creatures that yeah. realise that that's where they're going to get fed. They'll stack up, yeah. won't they? They're and, like bosses. Yeah, exactly. And you end up with, you know, probably a jack finds the feed first, then a, yeah. a, a 12-pounder turns up and then the 20 pounder turns up and push that and eventually you know the super tanker turns up and pushes yeah. them all out yeah. and just sits there yeah. until you fish yeah um and yeah i've done it so many times now and it's very very effective and like i say instead of actually being something that uses up a lot of your time totally yeah. the opposite so many times your first bite over pre-bait yeah. is very often the, the biggest way. fish in the in the water so how do you pre-bait because I've, I've done it on two venues i'm not mm. going to say where but i've done it on two venues mm. um one of them's a, a a canal and it is just deadly on the canal because mm. they you know they, they they go to certain areas on canals yes. anyway yeah, and, yeah. and it's it can be ridiculous mm. because w- when you do go and have a day mm. You catch really quickly, but you catch a lot. Yes, as well. Yeah. You know, it's not. Yeah. You, again, you get the big ones, mm. but you just yeah. you just keep catching. Yeah, because in the you know in the in the winter when there's not that many around, particularly on the canals, they mm. all tend to condense, and I just find yeah. it phenomenally good. Oh, absolutely. Um, but we we generally tend just like you know just tails and bits, mm. half a dozen bits two or three times a week can be enough yeah. can't it even sometimes that can be too much yeah, depending through, on the yeah. population of the exactly. fish that's there exactly yeah so if, if you have some idea of what's there it's a good starting point yeah. but now quite a few of the dead bait companies yeah a lot of them will sell things like half mackerel so instead yeah. of just throwing out all those mackerel heads now they sell it as pre-bait and you can get hold of you know a freezer full of this stuff really really cheaply yes um and then it's just a case of uh, of applying it there's a couple of things i do to make sure it's being eaten as well yeah um yeah. if it's a clear water yeah I go and visually look to see yeah. if it's being eaten. Yeah. If you can put a camera down there, you yeah. can put a camera down there. If you're comfortable that you can leave, you know, safely leave it somewhere, you know, underwater to yeah, see if it's yeah. being eaten. Yeah. The best way that you can do it of all, though, um, if you get some uh, a piece of natural cotton, and yes. not polyester, yeah. because obviously a lot of the modern cotton, what is sold as cotton now is actually polyester nylon. Yeah, yeah. So obviously that won't biodegrade. But if yeah. you get old-fashioned uh, natural cotton yeah. and you can tie a piece to the bank, yeah. Um, yeah, it's about eight ounces of breaking strain. So yeah, yeah. pike comes on, picks it up, yeah. swims off with the fish, and it just yeah. breaks. And yeah. you come back, and instead of your mackerel being on the end, there's nothing. Yeah, you yeah. know that they're visiting the spot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's and not going to cause any damage no, going no, through the fish anyway. Yeah, exactly, and it's biodegradable. It's, biodegradable. Yeah, yeah. it's just natural cotton. You're not putting these things all over the place. Yeah, it's yeah. just something to use in that particular situation. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and then you know when to fish. You know yeah, when you find yeah, they're visiting the spot, whether you see them, vis- yeah, that the bait's gone or however you do it. 
yeah. you know it's going to be a quick I result. I think the, the, the other way that I've I've done it, just watching, because there's been a couple of times where I've gone down to pre-bay to go as well, but you see a little bit of a slick coming up. Mm. If, you, if you're if yeah, watching yeah. it for any length of time, Definitely. you'll see a slick. But, you know, carp love them anyway. Yes. And yeah. if there's carp in the venue, they'll be all over it yeah. too. But to me, even if the carp are, you, you know, you put you put big enough chunks mm. in that they're, they're yeah. not going to eat it. But with some of the smaller chunks, mm. I quite like putting smaller bits in that carp might eat mm. because they just disturb the water up a little do. bit more yeah. as well and they're spreading that smell. Yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, I, I really mix it, mix it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely fantastic. We're not talking fish fingers and uh, and tins of tuna. <laughs> no, 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 we're talking proper, <laughs> proper things. Do you do you add oil to your baits much? No. Do you add additives, or no. do you always fish them? I I, I tend to fish them with, without anything added because right. to me, particularly when the water temperatures drop, yeah, even winterized oils, yeah, not, they congeal too much. They congeal they? too yeah. much, and and. Yeah. Most of our dead baits, particularly the saltwater ones, which are the only thing that are allowed on a lot of venues, they're full yes. of they're full of natural goodness anyway. And then you cover them in an oil yeah. that then congeals almost like a gel yeah. and actually keeps in all of that all of that good stuff. So if you were going to add anything, I would argue you're probably better off just adding a, a neutral emulsifier yes. that actually helps let that good stuff out instead of instead of you know coating them in uh, in oils in higher water temperatures, sort of October, yeah. maybe you know, back end of the season, Feb, March. Yeah. There, there, there could be a place for them, but they're not something that I use a lot of because you know, pike find their food. Yeah, the, the stuff that they're finding on the on the lake bed isn't coated in in oil. It's not needed. No, and like I say, it can work against you when the water temps are low. Saltwater dead baits, freshwater dead baits. We've mm. already talked about the fact that sometimes you can only use saltwater dead yeah. baits, but if you can use a freshwater dead bait, do you prefer it? Because I love using roach yeah, on the some, rivers in particular. Yeah, yeah. some venues are really, really effective and, and some baits work better for certain methods. Yeah. So like you say, on the, on the rivers, roach can be very good. Yeah. If you wanted to like wobble baits, for example, something that's, that stays together quite well, like a, a smelt might be yes. better than a sardine that will fall apart yeah, after yeah. three casts. Yeah, I don't like sardines. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to choose one, yeah. it would be smelt. And I'll yeah. tell you why, because on an easy day, yeah. When the when the, the feeding scale is high for pike, they will pick up anything. You can empty your cool box in there, they're going to eat the lot, and it yeah. doesn't matter. But on the nine out of eight eight or nine out of ten days when the feeding scale is a bit lower, I find that those neutral in terms of colour, yeah. in terms of not being so dense in terms of their yeah. buoyancy, yeah. Uh, and not being oily baits, so things like smelt, uh, pollen, things like that, yes. are a real edge. If you've got your three rods out, for example can almost guarantee on those tougher days it will be the more neutral bait that gets yeah. you the bite um so i tend to favor those there seems to be a tendency i think a lot with with a lot of what i class as novice pike anglers mm. to leather out half a mackerel mm. and that's primarily just because they last a few casts yes i think you yeah, know they're yeah, a yeah. tough old creature yeah. aren't they the skin's pretty tough on them but you know i like using mackerel but mm. i don't necessarily think they're the best no and and I think the, the, the strength of the mackerel, i.e. that they're tough, is also the downfall. Yeah. You get a good-sized pike on a, on a mackerel, and we've talked about the importance of semi-barbless trebles from yeah. a conservation point of view. When yeah. you get a good pike on a mackerel and it comes up in front of you, particularly whether it does this with its head under the water or even more so if it sticks its head out and shakes, yeah. and you've got those barbless hooks in yeah. the pike's mouth, the barbed bait-holding hook in a tough bait like yeah. a mackerel... Yeah, the mackerel's often, not come off. No. So what happens yeah. is the pike shakes his head and, and throws the bait and with it the hooks. Yeah, it's using the weight of the mackerel exactly. to get rid of that hook, And, and a mackerel's very dense. Yeah. And when we go back to what I've seen from an under, underwater point of view, where I've been yeah. recording them and how they respond to rigs, the higher conversion rate is in something that's neutral in its buoyancy. Yeah, a yeah. mackerel are totally the opposite. They're, yeah, yeah. they're a very, very they're dense fish. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, good words of mm. advice there. Yeah, it's uh, definitely worth looking at. Let's let's talk about perch mm. uh, now as well. You've caught some huge perch. Yeah. Um, 
we've had some great times down on the yeah. Somerset levels, haven't we? It's it, brilliant it's, fun, it's, isn't it? it's, Yeah, it's just such a nice place to go. Mm. You know, you can lose yourself down yeah. there. And there's some really good fish around as well. Yeah. And perch over the years have just got mm. so much bigger. Yes. I think yeah. there was always good perch around, mm. but certainly the last five years, the amount of four-pounders now that, mm. that, that get yeah. caught. You know, five years ago, a four-pounder would have got you a drowning cup. Yeah, yeah. Now you need a five. Yes. Yeah. Ideally from a river. You know, mm. a, a five from a resi sometimes yeah. is, is, is not that eye-opening. Mm. So they're just... They're yes. an amazing creature, you know. Yeah. They, for, for for me, they are just. Mm. I, I just love it. I just yeah, love there are species it. that I've always loved. So the fact that there's so many different venues and it's not exclusive. Do you know what I mean? If I want yeah. to go and catch a fifty-pound carp or a thirty-pound bite, one of these fish of your dreams, a lot of these places are quite hard to access and yeah. be very expensive. The great thing about perch is these five-pound perch. Some of them turn up on like free stretches yeah. or yeah, council-owned lakes and stuff. Yes. Like that. I, I love the fact that, that that can happen in fishing still. Absolutely. Well, let's let's wind it back from yeah. fives and let's look at threes because mm. to me, like a two-pound perch is is a respectable perch. It's a it's a really nice fish. Yeah. Um, you know, I love my wasping as well. Mm. We, we, you know, yeah, we yeah. we both go out yeah. and do a bit of fun with that. Anyway, it's great mm. kids' fun, really. Mm. But you know, I think as soon as they get to two pound, they're a, yeah. they're a different creature. As soon as they get to three pound, they're mm. a real specimen fish. And and for me, the target is a three pounder. You know, like you say, in the in the winter, you want to catch a thirty pound mm. pike. I want to catch a three pound yeah. perch. Yeah. Um, this year, I'm going for a four. Um, and I'd like to catch a big fish out of the Thames. That's yes. going to be one of my target yeah. stretches this year. Yeah. So um, do you have any ambitions, aspirations? Uh, well, I've still not had a five. Right. So I want to put that right at some point. Um, Come to Holland. Well, Have I told you about Holland? A proper one. Well, not one of the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well I was going to raise that. Actually. Not a wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> not a wrong one. That's awesome. That is awesome. I'll I tell you what, Jules. That, in, in, that place in Holland yeah. is just phenomenal. Uh, I say that place. It is <laughs> when you look at Holland's Deep and the Herring Fleet together. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's fifty miles. Yes, yeah. it's a it's an estuary. Yeah. So it's a lake stroke dammed estuary mm. that is up to two miles wide mm. in places. You know, when you think, oh, it's a piece of cake, you go over there and catch these fish. Like anything, you see yeah. these pictures of these big perch. Yeah. And if you don't know where you're going and what you're doing or how to do it when you get there, you've got no chance. No, 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 of course. So it is just all, phenomenal. All jokes aside, get me that seat on the plane. I'm well up, I'm yeah, well up for that. So. Just, you'll love it. We will definitely yeah, have to go yeah. over there and have a, have a crack. Definitely. I suppose I, I do I do more specimen perch fishing over there mm. than I actually do back over here. Yeah. You know, because here I can't get away. From, I just like bites Yeah, over here. And I have such good fun just, mm. just having bites. But over there, when you go over there, there's a, you know, there's a chance of a donkey. Of course. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, the, the, the problem, like anything, though, is, you know, the bigger your PB, the harder it is to pass it. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's going to be a tricky one. Now, yeah, but I, there we go. I haven't got any big perch plans this winter, but in be- I, I take the pike fishing in the winter really, really seriously. Yes. And I use... The local perch fishing, which you've experienced like on the yeah, Somerset yeah. levels, that's my bit of fun fishing. I grew up fishing those venues. Yes. You know, me and a couple of mates we used to you know, literally cycle you know, 10, 15 miles some days just to yeah. get to you know, some godforsaken drain on a dreary winter's day. Yeah. And it really does take me back. And I absolutely love going back to those venues. And yeah. whilst yeah, you get loads of wasps, even on those drains... There's a few big ones around. There's a few big ones around. Yeah, I've yeah. had them three fourteen off there. They're like that's massive. Um, and the, I think one of the things I like about the levels and there's places like this all over the mm. place as well. The the big perch can be in the weirdest of places. Mm. That when you actually apply your mind to it, they're not really that weird because it's exactly the sort of place that yeah. you would look to try and catch a big mm. perch. But you know the, the like 
some of the pumping stations. Mm. We're not going to give the game away on no, where they were, no. but you know, you, you, you look at a stretch, you think that's great, but mm. actually that little corner there underneath mm. the, the chair is where they're going to be. Exactly. And it can be that a good percentage of the big perch in a whole stretch, you know, several miles of drain, yeah. can be tucked up, like say, underneath the pipe in the pumping station. That's it. In such a tiny little area. And in the winter, very often when they're not quite on the ball, you can often nick four or five bites out of that little group before yes. they realise what's going on yeah. and, and do really, really well. So have you you fly fish a little bit for I them do, as well? Yeah, I know yeah. we went out on the canal once and, yes. and, and had a go with a fly. But, yeah. uh, I won that day, didn't I? I? <sighs> yeah, look, it wasn't a competition. <laughs> I, think, I think it might have been a competition. I think you might have beaten me just. But, so, yeah, I think the programme was a competition until I caught more. Was it? Yeah, I think oh, I don't think it, it started as one thing and ended up as another. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, you know, you're you're a you're a pro pike angler. So, <laughs> not with a fly, I'm not. I still wear a crash helmet <laughs> so, when I fly fish. <laughs> it's it's good fun though, isn't oh, it? It's it is really really Absolutely good fun. Brilliant. And and you know places like that as well, where you've yeah. got a bit of a backcast, having to go on the fly for them yeah. is is amazing. And I think like some of the rivers, I think mm. one one of the things I really like about the fly for pike is the hang mm, that you know a totally different presentation you, you can fish for a very long yeah. a long time in an area mm. and you can almost sit the bait in front of the fish mm. and tease it into picking mm. it up can't you whereas with a law you can't yeah. always do that somewhere. and there's days that it just outfishes everything I, yeah. I do a little bit of pike fly fishing myself mm. um, on, mainly on the reservoirs and a little bit on the levels as well yes. and there's days when you know people are out lure fishing people are out dead baiting or whatever and the fly just totally outfishes it yeah yeah it's a spe- yeah. special method. It's, it's 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 one of the things I like about predator fishing is how adaptable yeah. you can be with that. I suppose in a similar way to carp fishing, mm. you can fish lead on the bottom, mm. or you can fish float, or you can fish floater. Yeah, there are yeah. different ways of doing of it. But you know, it, it's mm. it's quite nice to open your eyes to to all of these things. But um, just if if you had to do one thing, would it be dead baits for for big fish? Do you think, or trotting rivers for for big pike? Yeah. For big pike, I'd probably end up. Obviously, I'm on the on the trout waters. Yes, but if I had a choice of one method for the rest of my life, it'd be roving on the rivers. Yeah, absolutely. Just, such a yeah. nice thing to do, isn't yeah. it? So let's let's have a look now at, at you know your year. Winter is when I see you more because mm. you're normally really busy through the course yes. of the summer. You're a guide. Yes, I am. So primarily for for carp and catfish. Yeah, yeah, um, and. Where, where does that take you? What yeah. sort of fishing are you looking at? So there? there's there's a few places where I guide quite a lot. So Anglers Paradise is probably the most well known venue. I've I, I've been the resident guide there for over a decade now. Yep. I don't know where that decade's gone, yeah, but yeah, it's me. crazy. Um, and that's brilliant because there I get a lot of people who are looking to try fishing for bigger fish for the first time. Yep. They're on holiday, you know, they want to try a different method. And the amount of times, you know, you get in someone their first, whatever it might be, a, a 20 pound carp or their first catfish. It's absolutely brilliant. It's really, really rewarding. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. For catfish as well, uh, a venue called Burton Springs in Somerset, which is out near the uh, Hinkley Point Power Station. Right. Um, that's a, a, a sort of commercial catfish venue. Yeah. Um, I've been doing lake exclusives on there where I've been taking uh, getting the lake closed off, small group bookings, uh, going through kind of the fundamentals of rigs and things like that. Then everyone fishes, yeah. and I kind of work between them, um, you know, making sure they're doing everything they can. Yeah. And we've had some absolutely brilliant, you know, some brilliant trips there with fish up to you know, well over sixty pound, but big hits of fish yeah, as well. Pull back a bit, yeah, the cats exactly, well, and, and and no one's not my turn no yeah. one's not caught one there yet and like i say most people are walking away with either their first cat or or, or a good pb yes um also with the carp guiding as well um there's a, a lake that a friend of mine bought a few years ago um 
that at the time, do you know what he bought it? It came with it. It came with his house on yeah. on the land, and we weren't really sure what was in there. Yeah. It has some history in the past, but we thought that there wasn't a lot left in there. It hadn't been fenced, and we thought the otters had kind of had the fish. Yeah. Um, so the fish have been added to over the years, and now um, it's all fenced and everything, and I do lake-exclusive bookings there. It's only fished by yeah. the owner a few times a year, right. and the only other fishing that takes place on there is when I take guided guests there. Oh, and the worst, the worst trip this yeah. year in the loosest sense of the term, um, they still had 230s. Awesome. Um, it's, yes, special. And it's yeah, it's like one of those places that you find as a kid. You know when you, as an angler, you know when you're getting near water. Yes. You kind of think, oh, some willows over there. Do you know what I mean? You kind of get the idea where there's going to be a lake. And when you go down to this water for the first time, it takes you back to that type of place. You know, it's tree-lined. It's covered in lilies. There's no proper swims. People say, oh, where do I fish? Yeah. You, yeah. you fold some reeds Wherever back you and you put you, you put a rod through. Amazing. It's special fishing. And it's just you against the fish, which, dare I say it, is quite far removed from the commercial aspects of... Uh, a, a There's lot not a lot of opportunity fishing. now these no. days to, to be able to do that, which no. I think is why it's, it's, it's great to go out mm. on the rivers and fish for pike again, because yeah. it is... There's not that many people that wander around for pike on no. the rivers. A lot of people, if they're going there, they might go to a slack and chuck some deads yeah, out yeah. or they'll fish the same sort of places. So it's it's lovely to be able to just mm. walk around everywhere and have a little go. One one thing I've not really seen you fish for is Xander. Mm. Is that because of the, the travelling time to get to them? Or no, is that... I've, got, I've got some relatively good Xander or probably some of the best sander fishing relatively close to me in terms of Gloucester Canal and the Severn. Yeah. Had them to 14, 12 off the Severn. Yeah. Had some reasonable ones off the off the Gloucester Canal. I was, I was talking about this with, with someone last week. It's one of those that I intend to do a lot of. Yeah. But I just love my pike and perch fishing. And it's just a time issue. You know, yeah. guiding in the summer, it can be 100 hours a week. Yes. Realistically. Yeah, yeah. You know, at times. To do enough so that I can focus on my, my predator fishing myself in the winter. Um, so there's only so much you can fit in. So something kind of has to give somewhere. Yep. Sander, definitely, when I've caught a big enough pike, it'll be one of those that I really probably spend a bit of time on the seven, put the boat on there, spend some serious time on there. Yeah. But I still have in the back of my mind, I haven't caught a big enough pike yet. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, um, what's your pike, people? 34, 14. That's a pretty big pike. It's a big pike. Yeah, it's a big pike. You're after a 40, no doubt. I'd love a 40. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You and me both. I yeah. don't know what I'd do with a 40. No, no, like, I really likewise, don't know what I'd do with a 40. Um, normally, when our guests come in, we mm. ask them to bring a present for mm. our memorabilia wall. As you can see, we've got loads of really, really cool things up here. Uh, we've got an England cap. We've got a book from Crowey. We've got one of the original um, funnel-web meshes oh. from Steve Spurgeon. Obviously, various different things. Yeah. Have you got a present I for have. us? Awesome. Tell us the story of it, oh. and what is it? Well, I was stuck between two presents. I had two lures that have been hanging up in my garage yep. for donkey's years. One of them was the lure that I mentioned that I caught my first ever 30-pound pike on. Yep. Can't really can't get that. rid of that. Sorry, Rob. No, can't get rid of but that. But next to it, for years, has been this Rapala Super Shadrap. And as you can see, it's a rather well-worn Rapala <laughs> Super Shadrap. So the reason I always keep this one hanging up in the garage is it's a little reminder of something and a little lesson that I learned. So it was 2007. I was in Zanzibar. Yeah. And I went out on a sort of local guided fishing trip. Very basic gear. The boat barely looked like it would make it round the bay, yeah. but I thought I'd give it a go. So, yeah, you pay your money, off you go. And the only lure that they use there um, is the Rapala Magnum. Right. Really proven big game yeah. crankbait. Um, 
and we trolled all day and we didn't see a fish yeah. and it got to about three o'clock in the afternoon i'd taken some gear with me and they, they they said oh you know you don't need to bring out your rods and reels they look at your gear like yeah. it wouldn't be up to it but i did have in the bag this one so i took it out and i showed the skipper yeah um it was in one piece at the time i hastened to add and he said yeah. no 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 he said this is different shape to to the prey yeah, fish the prey here fish. they won't like it yeah. so in the end i've gone uh, he's humored me in the end yeah. rob and he's let me clip this on one rod for half an hour yeah and i caught three i think they were yellow fin tuna yeah on it first of all all on this same same uh, lure uh and then a great big barracuda awesome and the barracuda as you can probably guess yeah. had hold of it by the back end and i'm not sure whether the teeth did it or it was the pressure of it being yeah yeah you know, at the front of the mouth down, and right. literally snapped the thing, the thing in half luckily they're wired through yeah so it didn't part but it's pretty battered. And I always I keep it hung up in my garage as a reminder yeah. not to always do the same things and not to be afraid to to try different things on any given day. Brilliant. Oh, that's absolutely right. That's a fantastic gift. Let, let me have a little don't, look don't, at don't that. Don't hook yourself on that one. There we go. That is that is amazing. That could be the prototype jointed uh, repeller yeah. <laughs> as well. It, was, it looks old enough to be you know one of the first ones ever that was jointed. But that's brilliant. I think we shall hang that on the wall. We'll pop it on our soundproofing up there, and that can live there as a reminder for us. Mm. To uh, there we go, you can live there. Thank you very much, Jules. That's a that's a great addition. I like that, and a brilliant story. Um, let's talk about your role at Outlaw Pro. Mm. So you are our, our predator expert. You run the social media pages. I do. Yeah. Uh, what sort of people are getting in touch with you? What sort of people are looking? Is it is it regular predator anglers? Is it people that are getting into it? You it's, know, yeah. It's, it's a bit of both in terms of contact. Um, I would say primarily it's people trying it maybe for the first time or people that do other types of fishing through the year yep. and then turn to predator fishing in the winter. So obviously you get a lot of people contact looking looking for advice about products um, and asking for general advice as well. And and that's something that we that we do do as well. So sometimes people will ask, you know, just basic questions about location and things like that. And we you know, always yep. take the time to still obviously reply to those, not just about kind of product questions. So my role is overseeing obviously the posting onto the social media platforms um i've started going out and getting a bit of content myself yep. uh, which i've really enjoyed doing that's a new thing for me by the way so right, sometimes okay. being the other side of the camera yes. basic editing things i'm really enjoying that and yeah. like i say a new strand to what i do um and also i support the, the the sponsored team that we have as well so obviously i identify people that i think could be a good addition to our mm -hmm. team so we don't have a mould. Yeah. You know, we have all different types of predator anglers from people that just go out on a within our team, people that go out on a Saturday morning fishing for wasps on their local canal, yeah. right the way through to silly people like me who go off all around the country chasing big pike and everything in between. And we take their, I, I collate their feedback about products and trends within mm. what, within predator fishing. And also, obviously, they send in their catch reports. Uh, and obviously, then I then put those onto social media and, and manage it from there as well. So it's quite quite diverse, but no, a absolutely brilliant and, and growing really, really quickly. It, well, it, it's, it's becoming a huge part of the business mm. here at Outlaw Pro as well. We are, it's probably fair to say we're, we're, we're primarily a carp fishing shop. That's mm. where we started off. But we're diversifying now a lot more into other areas. We've got a brilliant match presence, particularly yes. with the Tadley yeah. store. Um, and the predator side of things is mm. growing. We've got some fantastic fantastic new brands in yes. as well you know westin in particular mm. you know you and i work together at fox yes, anyway yeah. so the we've, we've got the whole range of mm. rage stuff in we've got salmo as well yeah. uh, we've got rapala we've got the new uh, westin range yep. too um westin have got some amazing products they? they have yeah i think that that sort of scandinavian influence now again going back to kind of like social media and that uh, short format video from like youtube things like, yeah. there's the accessibility to what other people are doing in all different scenes around 
Europe and beyond. And the ability to be able to tap into that and see things that will work here and nowadays have access to the products yes. is absolutely brilliant. And Western would be obviously a, a key part of that. But yeah, some absolutely brilliant products. It's, it's amazing now the, the the range of products that are available mm. and and what we've got in the UK. You know, I, I quite particularly like Z-Man as a yes. as a brand oh, as well. Yeah. I think soft bait yeah. fishing uh, for for me. If I could, apart from trotting on the rivers Mm. again, which is your fault because you've got me into that, but if if we park that Mm. because that is just the best thing in the world ever. Um, But apart from that, I think my favourite style of fishing is using soft baits. Mm. You know, using... Oh, I love a white shad. <laughs> no, no. Oh, mate, I love a white shad. It, it does. It, if you're if you're unsure of what to put on, just stick a white paddle tail on with I don't know a seven gram head, uh, and just chuck it out, reel it back in, or bounce it along the floor. Something I love it. So, they so just do. I'll, I'll tell a little story about Rob at, the, at this stage if I can. So Rob rang me last week because he'd been on holiday, and he's telling me all about this holiday and how he's got some tackle together and how he's ended up going off lure fishing. And in the back of my head, all I can hear, I'm just waiting for it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. If it was a drinking game, yeah. you'd never be stood up at the end because I'm just waiting for a white shard. And all I did was chuck out this white shard. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> they just work. Yeah, It's, they, it's they, a universal, it is. isn't it? It's yeah. like if you're a carp angler, it's a tutti-frutti yeah, pop-up, yeah, isn't yeah. it? They work. They're all sorts of things. You know, I, I, I love... Um, I, I'm actually into skirted jigs at the moment mm. as well. I, I've, yes. I'm not going to say I've discovered them because mm. I've known about them before, yeah, yeah. but actually they're proving to be pretty effective at the moment. I love a creature on a cheb. Yeah. Yeah. as well fishing a creature slowly on mm. a chair we're coming to that time of year aren't we where yes. things that you can just crawl across the bottom are absolutely yeah. deadly that that for me is you know i'm, I'm in a, a hugely privileged position mm. that i go out and i see not just the top mm. predator anglers in the uk yeah. but the top predator anglers mm. in the world when yes. i'm going out and commentating yeah. and and my job is obviously to to commentate on what they're doing mm. and to commentate i have to have a degree of understanding mm. of what they're doing of so as a result i'm analyzing all mm. of these top guys and it's really interesting seeing different people mm. and and how they fish and mm. you know some some of the dutch guys they're really into crankbaits mm. and they fish them fast yes some of the german guys they're more into soft baits and they mm. fish them slow and you know when you're watching the best people mm. and they are the best people oh absolutely doing the yeah. best thing at the best time mm. on the best venues it really gives you a good insight into what to do and and for me for for big fish in particular you know really once the water's cooled mm. all the way through it's not cooled all the way through mm. yet there's still going to be fish slightly higher in the water and and actually if it were perch fishing at the moment i still quite like bait fishing and worms in the edge at the moment still. absolutely yeah i think this time of year it's about covering the water yeah once we get into the winter whatever predators we're talking about you get those you know yeah, concentrations of prey fish and, and therefore predators but this time of year things like crankbaits yeah. where you're covering the water and finding where the, the fish are, are absolutely deadly that's the way and it, overlooked nowadays as oh, well 100 yeah. because they, they, they a, a little bit like carp fishing as well sometimes predator fishing can go a certain way mm. because people are seeing certain things mm. a, a, a little story i went out um i was in in holland a, a, yeah. a couple of years ago and i wanted to catch a five and you know and a five it's a huge fish 50 centimeters is because yes. yeah, yeah. they measure them over there yeah. so 50 centimeters is where it's at but huge. that's that's a dream fish you of know course, that's your 40 yeah. pound pike isn't it yeah, effectively yeah. so i wanted to catch a 50 that would be the ultimate mm. dream but ideally i want to catch a five pounder mm. now a five pounder depending on whether it's a female or a male mm. and a long one or a fat one can be anything from sort of 46 to to, to 50 there or thereabouts mm. on on this particular venue mm. and uh I, I, the guy I was with, he said, um, well, I, we, we normally fish cranks. Mm. 
and it was it was a little bit late in the year for me for cranks mm. it was you know the water had already cooled it was almost not quite but almost starting to warm back up again right okay um but i'd been watching the guys in competition stayed on afterwards mm. and i said well i you know i'm i'm not I, I was only going to get one chance at this. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a hugely confident hard bait mm. angler for perch, for, for pike mm. slightly differently, but yeah. but not for perch. And I thought, I've only got a limited amount mm. of time, so I'd rather do something that I know what I'm doing. Because if I'm getting it wrong, I know why I'm not getting bites. Whereas if you give me something that I don't know what to do, if I'm getting it wrong, I don't know mm. whether it's me or whether it's a fish. So I said, can I chuck a shad out? I wanted to stick a white one on and reel that back in again. Uh, and he went, mate, they've been done to death. He said, there's no point because everybody that comes on here sticks a bit of rubber out, lobs it out and reels it back in again. Yeah. So he said, there's, there's not a, a limitless amount of fish. Mm. You've got to be a bit cleverer. So I said, oh, is, I, I wouldn't mind um, uh, you know, using a Ned. Mm. And he went, well, nobody uses Neds. And it's a bit like you were mm. saying earlier with the you know with the maggots or, mm. or that, but yeah. do something different. Absolutely. And he said, nobody really uses Neds out here. And I thought, well, you know, it, I, mm. I know that I can fish a Ned well. Anyway, I'm out with this fella. I've chucked it out and literally second cast, thunk. Mm. And it was, I think the first one was 48 centimetres, so it was it was five. Huge fish. Anyway, I had another one afterwards, mm. uh, which was 412. That was a, that was a 48. Mm. So it was longer, but yeah, it was yeah, a skinnier yeah. fish. And then I had a, I had a six. And you know, and a six is a ridiculous fish, isn't yeah. it? And and it was fifty one and a half. Wow. Um, and th- this isn't this isn't big. I am or anything mm. like that. But the fellow that I was in, he was he was fishing hard baits mm. really really well. Didn't have a bite. Mm. And it was literally just that case of oh, you know they're not having it on this today. Doing that thing mm. slightly different or doing what you know you're good at. Yes, actually yeah. works really well. Absolutely. It was just. It was it was phenomenal mm. doing that. So you know, I don't know where I'm going with this story now. I've just had a little, I've just had a little happy flashback. Um, but you know, I suppose it's fishing to your strengths and just having a go mm. with something. Being you know, just just trying yeah. to perfect those methods. But for 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 me, fishing soft bait slowly on the deck, mm. I think is such a good big fish method. Of course, it is. Really, yeah. really is. Yeah. You know, it can be tricky. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah, the it's old- in- interesting what you're saying about. I think people can think that predator fishing is quite crude. But I just think around where I live, yeah. they know what shads are now, those big perch. Yeah. Absolutely. You can't get, you literally, unless you're there, you know, obviously you're going to get the odd day when because of the conditions, yeah. the fish throw caution to the wind and they'll eat anything. Yes. Apart from those days, they won't eat shads in some of the spots now. No. Because they, they have. They well, have the world and his wife throw them. Yeah, yeah of course. And, and, and again, it's like we've seen about the, the, the pie creeks as well. People have this tendency to mm. think that predators are just going to snatch at anything. Exactly. It would be brutal. Mm. And uh, a little bit like sea fishing as well, Jules. I don't know if mm. you do much. I presume you'll go out and have a go yeah, for the wrass and the bass as well. Rass and the bass well. on the like, lurgate. Amazing, yeah. isn't yeah, it? Of course and, it is, yeah, And, you know, you, when, when you look at how sea fishing has finessed itself mm. up over the last few years, I know there's been a hardcore of LRFers that yes. have done it for a yeah, long yeah. period of time, and that's where it came mm. from. Uh, but actually, the majority of people that that, that go or used to go sea fishing mm. just they're almost using carp tackle to catch a pollock that's two ounces. Exactly. It's yeah. And what and what's the average size fish that is caught in salt water in this yeah. country? It's probably less than two pounds. Exactly. Maybe it's less than a pound, the average. Yeah. yeah. And yet, like you said, people for for years use these scaffold poles yeah, with a bell a big, on the end, yeah, of it. a big pit yeah. reel. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's ludicrous. And there's, uh, but those small fish are so much fun to catch, as yeah, as you've seen yourself. Yeah. I mean, we're lucky where we live. You know, neither of us are that far from the coast. You can get down to places like Portland and places yeah, like that quite lovely. easy. I can get down to South Devon quite easy, and it it is just magic. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah. that 
the 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 terrain yeah it's beautiful places that you spend the the time when you're fishing but the terrain that those fish live in you know those rocky outcrops it's and lovely. stuff like oh it's brilliant yeah it's brilliant yeah. It's, I, I i haven't done as much as i'd like this year because i've had a really yeah. busy summer um but i think that that crossover again mm. we're basically just perch fishing but rather than going out to a, 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 a pond a canal mm. or a river in the winter you've got the seaside in the summer exactly if you've There's got chips at the yeah. end of it and ice cream exactly. and sunshine and exactly. beaches it's lovely if you've got the gear to go perch fishing then you've got the gear to catch rass and bass. Absolutely. Absolutely yeah. And, and uh, again, if you can get through the weed in the rocks, little chebs mm. on the deck are yes, amazing. Yeah. So. And, and I'll put another species in there, which is one of the most overlooked species, and that's a mackerel. If you catch a mackerel on your light <laughs> perch rod, oh my God, yeah. they fight. You wonder what the hell you've hooked. Don't use a carp rod and six yeah, feathers. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Use, you yeah. use uh, you know, the, uh, a gear, you know, tackle in yeah. line with the size of the fish that you're catching. A mackerel pull like nothing on earth. They're I brilliant. Don't. I had a, a when I was in holiday we'd mm. just come back from America yeah, yeah. obviously got this I had a, I had a Spanish mackerel mm. that was probably it was about that big but it was probably two pound would it be yeah, yeah. wow yeah. so I uh, <laughs> just spent loads of time in the air yeah. you know and this is on a, mm. a well I think it was a, a seven gram Yes, uh, yeah. big head, obviously white. Yeah, because <laughs> so, they saying, don't learn yeah. that much. You know, yeah. normally when they're caught, they yeah. uh, they get Straight banged on the head. Or, yeah. But uh, yeah, brilliant, brilliant fun. Well, look, we're nearly up for time mm. now. Uh, what's next? You've got a big trip coming up. Yeah, so off to Scotland this weekend, which yeah. obviously is great in terms of the potential of the trip, but not great in terms of the travel. The venue that I'm going to only opens for a day at a time, oh, so it's a 800 mile round trip for a day sesh, which is. For probably commitment mi- commitment ex- excessive um yeah. probably but um but yeah in it to win it there's so few venues that have the fish that i'm after yeah that when you have the opportunity to fish them you, you've got to make the most of it so yeah. so that's next for me um but there'll be some there'll be some uh, some local fishing messing about on the levels in between as always as well fantastic now hopefully you and i will get out in the not too distant future we'll Absolutely. have an adventure or Look three forward to it brilliant well that's it that's all we've got time for ladies and gentlemen hope you've enjoyed that a little bit different from the carp norm don't forget if you have any questions whatsoever whether you are a hardcore predator perch or pike angler that just want to chat about something find out if we've got items in stock or alternatively if it's something that you'd like to get into then do check out our social media pages it is outlaw pro predator Jules will be in touch with you across those pages, loads of information across it. And better still, if you get the chance, come into the shop and have a look at what we've got. Plenty of stuff for getting into predator fishing or improving on what you've already got. So from me here, have a great winter if you're out predator fishing. We'll probably revisit come the back end of the year uh, when hopefully there'll be some big perch stories as well. But from me here, have a great Christmas. That's going to be coming up soon. Get some pred kit on your Christmas list and do all the normal. Click like, follow, share, subscribe, all of that stuff. And I'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to The Outcast, the podcast from Outlaw Pro, the ultimate angling experience. Remember to follow us on social media for updates and information on future guests. See you next time.